welcome to the You Don't Hear That Every Day podcast, where unique and extraordinary people tell their stories and bear their souls. My guest today should be no stranger if you know anything about the National Football League, specifically the Washington football team once known as the Redskins. Back in the 80s, defensive end Charles Mann was a mainstay, a star pass rusher in the glory days of Coach Joe Gibbs. Rarely injured, he was a four-time Pro Bowler. He was on three Super Bowl winning teams, finished his career with the second most sacks in team history. He was, without a doubt, a celebrity in this town. But now Charles says if he had a do-over, we might not even know his name, and he'd be just fine for that. We will explain all of that in just a minute. But first, Charles Mann, welcome to the You Don't Hear That Every Day podcast. And I got to first ask you about this trade. The commanders get rid of their two best pass rushers, Chase Young and Montez Sweat, for a couple of draft picks. A lot of speculation that one of them might go. But were you shocked that it was both of them? Are they basically giving up on the season? I was shocked that it was both of them. And I thought the more value was in Montez Sweat who has just been playing solid football. I mean, he really has. And and I, I measure that by not just making sacks, but but holding down that side and not letting the run get around the side and, and really holding that edge. Um, and then Chase has come on and he's getting more into the fray now. He's trusting his knee more and getting involved. And, and he was going to help us this year as well, uh, even though he's never really – measured up to the hype just yet but wait just like everybody else soon as we release a guy and he goes to another team they have a breakout career you know he's probably gonna be in the playoffs this year with the 49ers um and he's back with boza his teammate from ohio state so the best deal was chase going to uh the 49ers um, Montez going to Chicago. I feel bad for him. It's going to be cold, blustery, and, uh, you know, they, they play good football there. And defensively, he'll be able to help them. But uh, uh, Chase is not – he should be pretty happy about the trade today. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. But I want to ask you, as someone who, who did what they did about as well as it's been done, when you watch those two play – what did you see? I mean, why weren't they more dominant? You have to be put in position to be great. Um, in the latter part of my career, the best thing I did for myself is I played a little bit out of outside of the scheme. Uh, yes, I did. I played a little bit outside of the scheme, mm. which means when I was supposed to two-gap, that means I hit the guy, the offensive lineman, in the chest, and I have both gaps. I have the inside gap, which they call the A gap, and I had the outside gap. So guess what? I can't be very aggressive because I got to cover two gaps. Right. Which gap do I cover? Well, if I bounce in here, the running back go to the outside gap, I'm in trouble. Well, if I bounce to the outside and a running back go to the inside gap, I'm in trouble. That's why two gap isn't really. And I think that's what Jack Del Rio has got these guys doing. Uh -huh. He's got them playing the two gap mentality, which is a more passive mentality. When you have a, 
a jet rush. That's what they called it when we were when we were playing on third down and long or whatever. We were in our jet stance. That means you're flying off the, the ball. And now you only have one gap to protect. And so now I can hit that gap. I can quick swim. I can rip, move. I can club and go that way. But now I only got one gap to protect. Guess who's got the other gap? The linebacker is got who's standing up behind me seeing the whole play. I got my nose in the ground. I can't see the whole play. He gets to see the whole play and he got the other gap for me. Well, Jack so Del Rio's Jack got Del Rio's these guys playing passive and probably playing two gap. So right. we never make tackles for losses across the line of scrimmage. We always just make a, a tackle with them making two or three or four or five yards. You can't be aggressive that way. Now, you just learned something. I saw you lives lighting up. You just learned some defense. I did. I did. It's that easy. It's the scheme. That, that's what you're basically saying. Yes. It's holding them back. Okay, the, scheme, well. the scheme, Jack Del Rio's scheme. There's a reason why Jack Del Rio's been around uh, you know, a bunch of teams. Why does he keep getting let go? Why does he what, – what's going on? The opposite question is why does he keep getting hired? But that's – <laughs> That, that's a whole nother conversation. All right, well, let, let's talk about you for a minute, Charles, because you said something to me, frankly, that I have never heard a former pro football player say, and that is, if you had it to do all over again, good as you were, you probably would not play. Why not? I've lost too much time. Time is a precious thing. We all, we all have 24 hours in a day. And that's all you have. So when somebody says, oh, I don't have time to do this or I don't have time. You have 24 hours in a day. That's what everybody has. But the issue is for me is I've missed moments in time where I was rehabbing from a, from one of my operations. I've had 26 operations. I've had both knees replaced, a hip replaced. I've got titanium going out the wazoo, um, fingers that go every which way but loose. I mean, you know, this isn't, this isn't, yeah, this is a mess. I'm a mess. And I don't have to be that mess. This wasn't for a black kid growing up in Sacramento, California, Northern uh, California. I had more options than just be a professional athlete. And these, these young black kids today have much more options than to be professional athletes. Only less than 1% make it. So I want to be able to encourage these young men and women that you can do other things. And I know I could be successful in something else. And if, and Derek, if I look back on my life, I'm 62 years young. I played 12 years in the National Football League. If all I can point to are those 12 years, this isn't a life well lived. Mm. It isn't. I can point to all kinds of other stuff that's happened in my life. Now I'm a grandfather and I got a little baby Zoe, 17 months old. I've raised three children that would say I'm a good dad, that I was at every event. I was at every play, every musical, every soccer game, every basketball game. That's what I want to be remembered by. Not the fact that I played 12 years in the National Football League and won three Super Bowls. And so what if my wife was pregnant every time we won a Super Bowl? I can't get her pregnant anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> so no, but it's so what's the use? <laughs> it's, it's, I, 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 I want to talk about these 26 surgeries because I still, that, that blows my mind. 
but it's just interesting to me that you really don't want to be known as just Charles Mann, the former football player. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, there's more to me than meets the eye. <laughs> you know, I've, I've got some stuff in me. I've got a, a package full of things that I can do. I, I went back to school at 51 quietly without all hoopla. And I sat in the class anonymously until the kids finally figured out who I was. And, and, um, and I did three years to get my undergrad degree. And then I said, man, I love this. I'm going back to school again. And I went back for a year and a half and got my master's uh, and I graduated magna cum laude. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying there's more than, to me than meets the eye. And there's more things that, that we can be successful at that we don't have to just be a professional athlete or the rest of our life is worthless. Yeah. Well, you know, being a professional athlete does, though, give you contacts open some doors. I mean, if we're being honest about it, Charles, I mean, a lot it does. Of people, You're absolutely right. You know, didn't that help you in your post football career? It hasn't yet. Yeah. I'm still working. I'm still working. So uh, I guess it ain't really worked yet. <laughs> Shoot. I mean, magic is a billionaire. Michael Jordan is a billionaire. LeBron is a billionaire. Uh, Kobe Bryant would have been a billionaire. Uh, Charles Mann is nowhere near a billionaire. So you know, um, some people can leverage sports and, and I certainly have some contacts and I've been afforded some things and I've got to do things and I've got to see things uh, as a professional athlete. Yes. But I think I would have done things even at a greater magnitude um, as a young businessman in the business world. I would have been you know, maybe that uh, under 40 business guy, you know, 40 for 40 or whatever they call it. You know, these these young uh, entrepreneurs that I see uh, in magazines, these young uh, black business men and women doing something great. You know, uh, I just saw a, a one young black man in his 40s. He just got the largest government contract uh, ever for a small business. Um, you know, I would have, I could have done some of those things. There's more to life than just sports. Fair enough. I love sports now. Don't get me wrong. I love sports. I watch those doggone commanders every doggone Sunday religiously. <laughs> My wife says, why are you watching that mess? And I said, I can't help it. I played there. Well, you know, you know what that, am I supposed to do? That that takes me to my next question, though, because <laughs> my dad and I used to always have the the argument about about the players. He thought that guys just played for money, and I said, "No, it's too hard and it's too painful." And in the fourth quarter, when your legs are tired and you got to summon up one last push, money's not going to help. You got to love what you're doing, and you got to love your teammates. Who was right? I think you both are are partly right. But for me and, and most of the guys I talked to, yeah, we, we played it for the love of the sport. And that is, and I'm telling you, yes, I loved football. And as in my early days, if you talk to me in my early days of life, I always knew I was going to be a professional football player. But guess what? I only played one year of high school football. So how in the world am I going to be a professional football player if I only played one year of high school football? My senior year. Wow. That was it. So I certainly wasn't set up for success, not not early success. 
And I had to get, you know, I got, so, so thank God only played one year of high school football and four years in college uh, and then 12 in the pros. I'd be even more broke up if I'd have played more, you know, but I didn't, thank but, but God. You, but, you, so, but you loved it. But you loved it, though. I did love it. But in hindsight, looking back on my life, I wish that I could have shown my other passions. But as a young man in the 70s growing up, you know, you had to be, you know, what are you, what sport is it? You know, what sport are you playing? Especially around my block, my neighborhood, what sport? If I grew up a couple of blocks over, it would have been baseball. If I grew up a couple of blocks over than that, it would have been basketball. Um, but I, I grew up on a block that was more football oriented. So I played street football and, but I never played organized football until my senior year. You know, I, I've seen these press conferences that players have where they're announcing their retirement. Big, strong, 250-pound lineman breaks down and cries because he can't play football anymore. I mean, doesn't that say that most of the guys really love the game or love something about it? I my after my first NFL uh, after my first NFL season, I got my real estate license. I was a residential real estate broker. I could have taken you around in my car and drove you around to look at houses. I did that in 1984. Wow. I, I was that. showing houses. I had my license hanging up in Ken McKeon, uh, in his White House real estate, uh, company. Ken McKeon is, uh, he's deceased now, but his son is Toby McKeon called Toby Mack in the Christian world. Toby Mack is a, is a superstar. He and his his friends started DC Talk. But anyway, that's another story. So I was a I always knew that I probably wasn't going to play football very long. And so I better start working on my life after. So I had my real estate license. I bought my own home. Um, I began to start dabbling in the offseason in commercials. I was Swanson Hungry Man. Take it from this man. Hungry Man will satisfy your appetite, too. I, I did, remember. you know, I was doing um, a Diet Coke. I'll flip you for it with me and Dave Butts. I was I was the marketable guy. I was doing all kinds of stuff, knowing that football wasn't going to be the end all, but I better make it something and something else. I even tried. I was on uh, I was on a uh, member the the spinoff from uh, it's called uh, a man called Hawk. Yes, I remember Spencer that. Spencer for Hire. Remember yeah. Spencer for Hire? Sure. Well, he had, there was a spinoff with Hawk. He used to ha- carry his gun in his, in, like a baby in his arm, his, his big old Colt 45 or whatever gun. And so I was on his, I was on a, on a, a series with him on one of the episodes and they killed me off. I was talking to the producer and said, do I have to die? Because I was thinking I was going to get a recurring role. They had me killed off. I was a thug. You know, I said, no. I was, I said, I, I'm going to stand up and the guy, and the guy's going to shoot me. I said, can I just duck? You know, I was trying to talk to them to write me in. So I stayed. So, so, so were you surprised that your career went as long as it did, that you went more than a decade in the NFL? I was surprised. Every year that I, I stayed on, I was grateful that I got another year. But I tell you what, in the end, I was ready to go. reason why I was ready to go is I got cut by North Turner. 
I had just had blood clots in my in my leg after having surgery and flew home the next day and I got a blood clot. It went to my it went through my lungs. I got a pulmonary embolism. I should have died. But because I was so fit, it didn't kill me. Uh, that's what killed heavy D. That's what killed a bunch of uh, people is blood clots after flying. Serena Williams had blood clots uh, after flying a bunch. Anyway, but I had surgery, then I flew. So I almost die after having knee surgery. And and I come back to the team and I start working out again. And and within a couple of days, North Turner cuts me. I said, wow, that's kind of crappy. You know, I just sold out for this team. I had surgery, almost died, been in the hospital for 10 days. And I get out of the hospital bed and they cut me. So I got ready. I was like, I'm, I'm going to make a comeback. I'm going to show these guys. I was in my 11th. I just finished my 11th year. And I said, I'm going to make a comeback. I was only 34 years old, but they make you feel like you're old as dirt at 34. I hadn't even lived yet at 34. No. And so I, I get picked up by the 49ers and we win a Super Bowl. And I came back and said, nan, nanny, nanny, look at that. <laughs> and I, I dropped the mic. I'm retired. <laughs> so what, what, what if what if you were 20 years old today uh-huh. and you had the potential to make that life altering, never work again money that the good players make now, knowing what you know now, would that change your mind? Absolutely. And today mm-hmm. and today your father would have been right. I would have played for the money. Wow. I would have played for the money. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? All that, all those 12 years and, and three Super Bowl wins, four Super Bowl appearances, I made around $3 million in all collectively. Right. And I'm not saying throw out the violin and be feeling sorry for me, but my point is that would have been walking around money today. That would have been my, my length in the bottom of my pocket today, three million. They make that. I mean, I would have been easily been a, you know, hundred, two hundred million dollar guy uh, in this day and age. So absolutely I'd play. So wait a minute. Now, and so I wouldn't play. play when I had a hangnail. I wouldn't be playing. <laughs> so wait. So what you're saying then is I could have played you, for two or three years with this kind of money and then went on. You're saying that you, you but you would have still had the injuries. Right. I mean, if you play, no, you, you don't play uh, hurt now. You don't uh-huh. practice the way we practiced. Joe Gibbs was so happy when when John Madden and and Paul. I mean, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, John Madden and oh, oh Pat I can't even think. Paul, yeah, Pat Summerall. Pat. When John Madden and Pat Summerall came around, he wanted to make sure we were we were popping hard, or you know, we were playing practicing hard. He wanted to make sure because John Madden would always go on TV saying. Nobody practices harder than Joe Gibbs coach teams. And he wanted that. So we had to perform for that. You know, I got most of my injuries. A lot of my injuries happened in practice, you know, because we were going after it in practice. It was much harder in practice than it was in a game most times. So I was going against the Hogs and, you know, these guys were ferocious. Wow. Very different day. And you think you would have come through it with a different Oh, my God, I'd have played for the money. Absolutely, I'd have played for the money. My heart wouldn't have, my heart, it would have been a different setup. setup. Yeah, I mean, I would have, I would have, I would have probably played more than just one high school year. 
I would have been a little bit more focused. I mean, this is life changing. These guys be crying at the when they get drafted. I, I cried probably. I probably had a tear when I got drafted, but that was because I heard my name for for the first time on TV. You know, uh, and it was my name. They're talking about me. You know, um, but no, these guys are crying and, and life changing moments because they know they can. Their mommies can retire. Uh, the daddies uh, can sit back and they're gonna buy them houses and. And you know they got yachts and and uh, how does uh, what's the name do it? Uh, 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 Sanders. Yeah, yeah. I mean they. I mean it's you know Rolex watches and you know I got a I got a I got a uh, what is this Android watch? <laughs> Some jokers got Rolexes and Bentleys and <laughs> it's a different game now. Right. So right. that that so yes, I might have seen myself playing for the money. But I played for the love of it when I played. And when the love was gone, I was done. And now looking back on it 40 years later, man, I don't know if I'd have done what I did. Yeah. So in other words, you should have done a cost benefit analysis. Like, yes, I sure have. I sure have. And time management. You know, I lost time. I lost, you know, years off my life rehabbing. And I know how to rehab. So, I mean, I'm, I'm in that gym rehabbing. Hey, I'm as fit today as I ever have been. I am fit at 62 years young. I'm 255 pounds and I am solid. I hurt, but I'm solid. <laughs> well, on that note, Charles, man, you are the man. And thank you for sharing your distinctive view. And I think our listeners will agree that you don't hear that every day. Thanks again. <laughs> I'm Derek McGinty.